Andrew Womack Ministries presents the 2007 Fort Worth Gospel Truth Seminar. We pray that the Word of God will come alive in your heart as you listen to this session. Mark chapter 11. And this morning I'm going to continue along the lines of the things that I've been teaching. Uh, Let me just say that if you've missed any of this conference, I'd encourage you to get it. Jamie has told me that She's complimented me on three messages in a row. I think this is a record. (laughs) Now, she always says something about that was good, but she says, oh, I really like that. You know, and so, boy, this is just rare as hen's teeth. I mean, you need to get these messages. If you've missed any of this, you need to be getting those. And especially yesterday, the morning in the evening, Charlie said that he had never heard me teach on that. I've taught on that at least three or four times with Charlie sitting there, but apparently I'm saying it. (laughs) Apparently I'm saying it in a way that he's getting it. So anyway, boy, this was just a miracle yesterday. You need to get these CDs. It'll really, really bless you. Praise God. (laughs) Uh, Charlie, his favorite passage of scripture is Hebrews 7. Amen. All right. So in Mark chapter 11, What I want to do is just continue along these lines. I've been talking about how that God uh, has given us authority. We've been talking about the authority that we had. And so the very first thing we did was counter this concept about the sovereignty of God, the way that it's taught today that God just supernaturally controls everything. If you believe that, well, then there's no reason for us to have any authority because whatever God wills comes to pass. And so that is just a totally, totally, totally wrong doctrine. And yet it's one of the most pervasive doctrines in the body of Christ. It is an absolute faith killer. Man, if you are uh, into all of that, then you're never going to go very far in the Lord. So that's the first thing we talked about. And then we talked about how Satan got his authority. It isn't a supernatural God-given authority that was given directly to him. He's not ruling and oppressing mankind with a superhuman power and authority. He actually used deception and Adam and Eve gave Satan his power. God made Lucifer an anointed angel, but mankind really created the devil or made the devil. We are the ones who empowered him. And the significance of that is that Satan is only using human power and authority and it takes our cooperation and consent for him to do anything. Well, if you understand that, that changes everything. That changes all of it. Then last night we were talking about how that God himself, because God didn't have a physical body, God had to spend 4,000 years speaking through people with physical bodies to speak Jesus into existence. He spoke Adam's body into existence, but that was when he was the sole owner and manager of the earth. But as soon as man was created, he gave the dominion over the earth to Adam. And when Adam sinned, God would have been unjust to come down here and intervene in the affairs of man and just make things happen. He had given the rulership of the earth to physical human beings. So God had to flow through people who would listen to him and speak these prophetic words. And when the angel Gabriel appeared unto Mary and said that she would conceive and bear a child, she said, how can this be? And he told her, and he said, no word of God is without power of fulfillment. 
And he basically just said that the word of God is going to accomplish this. And she humbled herself and said, so be it unto me according to thy word. And what the angel did was take all of these prophetic words that God had spoken and the word entered into Mary and the word became flesh. The word became the sperm that produced the Lord Jesus Christ's physical body. And from that, we took all of these uh, comparisons about how that we have to conceive a miracle. And most people aren't taking the responsibility to produce a miracle the way that God said, taking the word of God. And so that's what we were talking about last night. Tonight, I want to use these verses to show about the authority and the power that we have and how you have to exercise it. And uh, this goes along with everything that we've been teaching, especially we're going to be emphasizing the power of words today and things like that. In Mark chapter 11 is where Jesus was headed into Jerusalem, uh, the very, uh, one of the last times during the last visit to Jerusalem, right before his crucifixion. In Mark chapter 11, verse 12, it says, And on the morrow, when they were come from Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing a fig tree afar off having leaves, he came, if happily he might find anything thereon. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for the time of figs was not yet. And Jesus answered and said unto it, No man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. And his disciples heard it. You know, when I first read this, I was puzzled about this because it says clearly that the time of figs wasn't yet. And yet he was upset with this fig tree because it didn't have figs. And yet it wasn't time for figs. And uh, I pondered that for a long time. And finally, I heard somebody say that fig trees produce leaves and figs at the same time. And so if a fig tree had leaves, it should have had figs. Now, even though it wasn't time for figs yet, it wasn't time for leaves either. This fig tree was a hypocrite. It professed something that it didn't possess. It was a pervert. And you got to remember, Jesus is the one that created those fig trees. Jesus is the one that spoke and told them how to operate. And he knew that if that fig tree had, it wasn't time for it, but if it had leaves, it should have had figs. It was professing something that it didn't possess. And as creator, he was totally within his rights to curse that fig tree because it was abnormal. It was perverse. It was a hypocrite. And so he went up and cursed this fig tree. And it says that his disciples heard it. And then it lists him going into the temple and for the second time in his ministry, he drove the money changers out and cast them out. And then on the next morning, in verse 20, it says, And in the morning as they passed by, he saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. They saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter calling to remember and saith unto him, Master, behold, the fig tree which you cursed is withered away. Now there's a lot of things in this verse right here, but notice it says that they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. If you read this same thing in Matthew's account, Matthew says immediately the fig tree withered away. But here it's obvious that they had, uh, Jesus had cursed the fig tree on his way into Jerusalem the previous day and they had apparently come back the same way that evening and they didn't notice it. It's possible it was dark or something like that. But it was the next morning before they recognized that the fig tree had dried up and withered away. And how do you harmonize those two? Matthew said it happened instantly. This says that it was the next day before they saw it. Well, the, the harmony between this is that instantly that fig tree was dead, but it happened at the roots 
And it took a period of time for what had taken place at the root level below ground to show up in those leaves above ground. There's a great lesson in that. And that is that when God does something, God could release his healing power. Say, for instance, if you have a tumor, that thing, you could curse it. And at the roots, that thing is dead. But it may take a period of time for that thing to dissipate and leave your body. And people who don't understand this and are just looking for an instantaneous manifestation, you know what? They may sit there and think nothing happened. It's possible that the disciples heard him curse it and they looked at it and it looked exactly the same as it did before. They walked by that evening and they looked at it and thought, "Uh uh-oh, there's that fig tree. And you know what? Jesus cursed it and it's still exactly the same as it was. But within 24 hours, all of a sudden, what Jesus had spoken began to be manifest and the disciples were overwhelmed. And And Peter called to remembrance and You know, we don't get the inflection of his voice, but I believe he was saying something like, Master, look, wow, it worked. The fig tree that you cursed is actually dead. It worked. You didn't touch it. You didn't do anything to it. This fig tree died with just you speaking to it. I believe he was shocked to see this. You know, if I was to walk out here in some of these trees and if we were walking by and I just looked at you and I said, you're dead. And then tomorrow, that that tree is just all of a sudden drying up. I guarantee you that would be impressive. (laughs) Sometimes when we read scriptures, we don't really think about it. But I mean, here's a fig tree. He didn't touch it. He didn't throw any salt on it. He didn't do anything. He spoke to it. And the next day, that thing was dead. Boy, his disciples were amazed. And Jesus answering said unto them, have faith in God. You know, I believe that, again, the inflection... In his voice, I believe it was like, have faith in God. Guys, what's wrong with you? You're acting like this is some big deal. You're shocked that I could talk to a fig tree and it just dies. What's wrong with you? Don't you understand faith? Don't you know how faith works? Why are you surprised to see something like this? You know, the very fact that we are shocked when we get in the miraculous manifestation of God is, a, is an indication of how hardened we become to God. You know, some people think that, man, if I could see miracles, I'd just be a believer. You know what? When you really see the miraculous power of God, what it does is, is illustrate your unbelief. It really does. When you start seeing great miracles happen, boy, all of a sudden you realize, God, this is abnormal for me and it ought to be normal. You ought to get to a place. It shouldn't. I'm not saying that you aren't blessed when you see the dead raised, but it shouldn't surprise you to see the dead raised. It ought to be normal. It ought to shock you if you don't see the dead raised. You ought to be shocked if you don't see blind eyes open. You know, I remember an instance one time in Omaha, Nebraska, that I called out through the gifts of the Spirit that somebody who was cross-eyed was being healed. And there was a little boy about 11 or 12 years old that his mother had to lead him to the front because he was so cross-eyed. And he couldn't see clearly. So she had to lead him to the front. I laid hands on him and prayed and commanded those eyes to become straight. And I was getting ready to give him instructions about, now don't you doubt this, God's healing power is in your body. And it could be like this fig tree, it may be 24 hours or whatever, but you're healed. And I was getting ready to say all these things. And when I opened up my eyes and looked at him, he was looking at me and his eyes were just perfectly straight. Before that, they were completely cross-eyed. His eyes were perfect. And I said, I don't believe it. I'm the one that prayed for him. And I said, I don't believe it. And immediately his eyes went back cross. 
And I said, oh God, I'm sorry. I, and I repented and I prayed for him for another 10 or 15 minutes. Never did see his eyes go straight. You know what? We're shocked when we see the power of God in demonstration. And that's what Peter was. And Jesus was saying, guys, what's wrong with you? How long are you going to live like a mere human being and not live like the new creation that I've made you to be? Brothers and sisters, we live so far below our privileges that when somebody starts even approaching to being normal, everybody thinks, boy, he's a fanatic. All a fanatic is is somebody who's closer to God than you are. We call them a fanatic. And you know what? When some, you know, the Bible says great, the same works that I do, will you do also. And greater works than these will you do. When you start seeing the blind eyes open and the deaf ears open and the people raised from the dead, everybody thinks something special about you. That's normal Christianity. He told every one of us to go heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead. Every person in here has been given a command, not just preachers. Every person in here has been given a command to heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead. If every person in here reached your full potential and started acting normal, we could have four, five, six hundred, whatever it is here, people raised from the dead. And I guarantee you the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex would have more than enough revival to go around. But instead, we're asking Pastor Bob and Pastor Bruce, Pastor Dean, all of these people to do the ones that are the ones that are doing the miracles. Pastor Dean's seen what, ten people raised from the dead? And praise God, that's wonderful. But what about you? You're given a command to see people raised from the dead. And this isn't weird. It's not abnormal. Some of you think, boy, you're weird. No, I think you're weird. If you aren't seeing people raise, aren't there dead people in Dallas-Fort Worth area? Doesn't anybody ever die around here? I guarantee you, you got plenty of people to practice on. There is no shortage of opportunity. It's not the opportunities that are lacking. It's the people who aren't stepping up to the plate and taking advantage of their opportunity. And some of the reasons that we're hindered is because of this old thinking about, well, it must have been God's will. Their number was up not true. Well, I, we've just are praying and asking the Lord to clear the heavens, get rid of the demons so that our prayers can get through. It's not true. It's a lot of stinking thinking. So he says, have faith in God. And then in verse 23, he begins to tell us how he did this. And this is how we operate in the supernatural power of God. Verse 23 says, for verily I say unto you, when the Lord says anything, it's true. But when he starts off with the word verily, it means truly, truly, truly. When the Lord has to say, what I'm telling you is the truth. Now, this is the truth. Pay attention. Listen up. Everything he says is the truth. But he said, truly, I'm saying unto you, because he knew people would scoff at this and people would think, well, how can we do this? But he says, this is the truth. Truly, I'm saying unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Man, that is a powerful verse of Scripture. Three times he mentions that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou cast into the sea, be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith will come to pass. He will have whatsoever he saith. The emphasis here is on words. 
And I could preach for an hour on this or a couple of hours. I'm going to have to say this quickly, but one of the reasons that we don't see the power of God manifest in our life is because we don't understand the power of words. We don't place an importance on words. We say so many stupid things ourselves, and we listen to so many stupid things that are being said. And some of you may have a hard time grasping this, but your body and your world around you knows whether you believe in the power of words. I don't know how to explain that properly. You know, I'm reading this book. Somebody gave me a book entitled, Who Switched Off My Brain? And it's written by a medical doctor. And they gave this book to me because they said, it's exactly the same thing that you're saying, but they aren't using scripture. They're just saying it from a medical standpoint. And anyway, this doctor goes in, they diagram brain cells and show you that a healthy brain cells could have a billion different branches off of it. But people who are sick and diseased, their brain cells have just one or two branches off of it, that they're sickly. And it's basically in the way that you think. And they're making this point that your brain communicates with every cell in your body billions of times a day. Billions of times. And it's in constant communion, monitoring and communicating and doing things with every cell in your body. And uh, in this book, they have a diagram of what a human cell looks like. And they said that there's a thing called a receptor on it that has like a combination lock. And this combination will only let certain things into those cells. Other things are kept out. This doctor says that there are radical cells, free radicals in every person's body. There's cancer cells, there's uh, infections, there's, uh, you know, all kinds of things in our bodies. But a healthy cell won't let those things in because the combination locks it out. But if you get what this doctor is calling toxic thoughts, depressed discouraged, bitter, stressed, unforgiveness, all kinds of things that it breaks down the communication and that your body, this communication, this lock opens up and these radical cells enter in and that's how all of this stuff gets started. Anyway, it's a long explanation for just saying that the way you think is the way your life goes. And if you aren't thinking according to the word of God, then it affects your physical body. Your, every cell in your body knows what you believe. And some of you think this is weird, but this is a medical doctor that's saying the, basically the same thing that the Word of God is saying. You know, the Bible says that a merry heart does good like a medicine. Is that just a metaphor? No, it's a literal thing. When you are rejoicing in the Lord and you're praising God, did you know it affects every cell in your body? It can tell what you're thinking. Every cell in your body knows what you're thinking, whether you're thinking thoughts of faith or unbelief, whether you're in fear or in faith. And it affects the way that your body operates. And basically, this is what Jesus is saying. You have to believe. Notice it talked about saying three times, but one of the keys is you have to believe that what you say, what you say, What you say comes to pass. Not just believe that what God says. Not just believe that what the pastor says. You have to believe in the words that you say. And your body knows whether you believe in the words that you say. 
That's powerful. And you know what? Every time you just say stupid stuff, you know what? It confuses your body. It confuses your world. It confuses everything because your, your words don't mean anything to you and you teach yourself that it doesn't mean anything. We listen to words. You know, the Bible says in Proverbs 18, 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue and they that love it will eat the fruit thereof. Not only death, but life. Life and death. But it didn't say life and death and a whole lot of other stuff. It just says it's either life or death. Every word that you speak is either releasing life or it's releasing death. And yet most of us think, oh no, there's a lot of things I say that that maybe they're important. There's other things that are just totally bad. But most of what I say doesn't amount to anything. It's not true. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12, I think it's around verse 35, somewhere right there. It said, he says, every idle word that men speak, they will give an account thereof in the day of judgment. For by your words you shall be justified, and by your words you shall be condemned. Every idle word is going to be accounted for. This thought that, oh, I just say all kinds of things, and it doesn't mean anything. You're deceiving yourself. And every time you act that way, you're deceiving your body and confusing your body and confusing everything else. It's to the point you don't believe in your words. So your body won't believe in your words. Your world won't believe in your words if you don't believe in your words. That's powerful truth. You have to believe in those words. And let me say this, that every time you listen to ungodliness or something that is a lie and you don't condemn it, you know, it says in Isaiah chapter 54, it says no weapon, verse Isaiah 54, 17, no weapon that is formed against you shall prosper and every tongue that shall arise against you in judgment, you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and their righteousness is of me, thus saith the Lord. It says you have to condemn You have to condemn. God's not going to condemn them for you. When you hear something come against you, when you hear something that is against your health, against your wealth, against your blessing, you have to condemn it. You have to judge it. You have to say, no, that's not true. And yet most of us are plugged into this world. We hear the lies, the deception of this world on a constant basis. And every time we hear a lie and you don't condemn it, it confuses your body. It confuses your faith. It keeps you from having the power that you should. You don't believe in the words that you speak and you don't believe in the words that others speak. Well, it's quiet in this Presbyterian church. You know, we just were over in England and October the 27th is Jamie and my anniversary, but also that is the two-year anniversary of a prediction I heard from a guy from the BBC. I was in Scotland two years ago in 2005, and this is when the bird flu or the avian flu first hit, and everybody in Scotland and England was talking about it. You'd drive through the countryside, and you could see smoke coming up in nearly any direction because they were piling birds, chickens up, and burning them, killing them, and burning them by the thousands because of this avian flu. And they interviewed this guy on BBC Scotland, and... uh, He was the leading expert for the BBC health system. And they asked him, they said, do you think that this is going to become a pandemic, a worldwide epidemic? And he said, there is no doubt. He says, it's just a matter of when. It might be one year or two years maximum. 
But he says, I guarantee you within two years, one third of the world's population will be dead through bird flu. That was up October the 27th, 2007. And I have now been on television, on radio. I've been shouting it everywhere that it was an absolute lie. I just read two months ago that there has been a total of 12 people worldwide who've died of avian flu. 12 people. And yet, one of the leading experts, one third of the world population... And many of us heard that and it may have caused a fear. It may have caused a worry or a concern. Or maybe you just blew it off and didn't do anything about it. But you know what? Every time you hear a word that is a lie and you don't condemn it, you don't judge it, you don't deal with that, it confuses you on the inside. And you get to where words don't mean anything. And you just let it roll off of your back. And then when you stand up and say, I'm healed in the name of Jesus... Your body doesn't know the difference between that word and all of the other lies that you've heard. It's true. And some of you, well, those British, that's the way they are. Let me just say that last week when I was over in England, I, we got the USA slipped under our, our door. And I read in the USA Today thing that they were talking about the hurricane seasons. And after Katrina... They prophesied that 2006 would have 21 major hurricanes, that it would make the devastation of Katrina look like nothing. There was one named hurricane in 2006 and it had virtually no damage to it. So in 2007, they prophesied that there would be 17 major hurricanes. Global warming is making everything worse and they were predicting dire disasters. There has been three named hurricanes with virtually no damage whatsoever. And you heard those lies and every time you hear these lies, William Gray at the uh, National Weather service or something in Boulder, Colorado is the guru who is so smart that he has missed it totally the last two years. And yet he'll predict 2008 and you'll hear it and you'll hear lies. And every time you hear a lie like this and you don't counter it, you know what? It just confuses you on the inside. It gets to where words don't mean anything. This says that if you're going to get this kind of results, you got to get to the place that words mean something. You realize death and life are in the power of the tongue. And if it isn't life, then it's death. And that means you have to condemn it. You have to judge it. You can ask Jamie. When we, I listen to the news on the radio in the car uh, is where I usually find out about news because I figure they, they condense it into three minutes and you can't do too much damage in three minutes, amen. <laughs> and if it's really bad, if we go to war, I'll hear about it. And so that's where I basically get my news. I don't watch it on television. I don't do that stuff and because they're just, they're all lies. You are being systematically lied to. It is absolute lies. And so anyway, that's where I get my news. But you can, you can ask Jamie that there's times they'll come on and say, well, it's flu season. You need to make sure you get your flu shot. You know, every time I hear something like that, you can ask her. I'll say, it's not flu season for me. Amen. <laughs> By the stripes of Jesus, I'm healed 24 seven, every, every season out of the year. I won't listen to somebody say stuff like that. I won't listen to them say, well, after you get over 50, this starts happening. I'll sit there and counter it. And some of you think I'm weird, but again, I think you're weird. 
Words have power in them, life or death. And every time you hear a word that is contrary to the word of God, you have to condemn it for it not to have its influence in your life. And yet we watch junk. You watch shows that are telling you lies. You know, this whole global warming, I'm not going to try and get into all of this, but I believe it's an absolute lie. I believe it's an absolute lie. I don't doubt that maybe things have been warmer a little bit than they have been, but there's cycles. There's things in history that show this. You know, back just 20 years ago, everybody was talking about global cooling. We were going through another ice age. Now they're talking about global warming. They'll have something else to worry about. It's just lies. It's lies. And you know what? Every time you listen to this stuff, it confuses you. If you just plug into it and let the sewage of the world flow through you, it hinders you so that when you stand up and say, in the name of Jesus, I'm healed. Your body isn't used to believing words. Your body's not used to respecting words and honoring words. You don't honor them. You let the junk of this world come to you and don't even check it. Many people just turn on the television to have noise going on and let all of this pollution into your home and you aren't even paying attention to it just to keep, just to keep the atmosphere of unbelief in your home. <laughs> and then, why, why I spoke and it didn't work, what's wrong? You know what, your body will respond. Your surroundings will respond to what you believe in. The way that we live proves that most of us don't believe in the power of words. We live, if you really believe this, if every time something that was full of unbelief and contrary to the Word of God came across your path and if you condemned it and judged it, you'd be talking to the TV all of the time. You'd be talking to the radio all of the time. You'd finally get to where you just have to turn it off because there's more that you're countering than there is good. And you know what? It would radically change our lives. Somebody's saying, well, man, I just think this is a little fanatical. Well, you know what? Uh, many of you would like to have the results that I'm getting to where you could see your son raised from the dead and you could see things happening. You would love to have the response that I'm getting, but you don't want to do what I'm doing. That's crazy. That's crazy to want to do the same thing but get different results. There's a reason why you're getting the results that you're getting. Amen or oh me. Anyway, I didn't intend to preach that long on that. But it's important what you say. You have to believe that what you say. And notice also, this is really the point that I was wanting to get to. Not only do you have to say these things, but Jesus said that you have to speak to the mountain. Amen. Now that is really significant. And there's a number of things implied in here. Here's the way that most people respond. The mountain here isn't talking about just a physical mountain or something. It's talking about your problem. Whatever your problem is, you have to speak to the problem. Here's the way that most people respond. If they have sickness in their body, they say, oh God, I'm sick. Would you please take this away? And they come and they, oh God, we, we are nothing. God, I can do nothing without you. Somebody says, well, isn't that what the Bible says? Yes, Jesus said in John chapter 15, I believe it's around verse 4 or 5, somewhere in there, without me, you can do nothing. That is absolutely true. I believe that. Without Jesus... I can do nothing, but I'm not without Jesus. And for me to just come and say, oh God, I'm powerless. 
I'm powerless. This is cancer. I have nothing that I can do. You've already embraced and adopted unbelief. You have glorified Satan. You have empowered Satan. You've empowered cancer. You have made it big. And that's the reason that it's beaten you. Is because, oh God, I can do nothing. Would you please touch my body? Would you please heal me of cancer? That's not what Jesus said to do. Jesus said, talk to your mountain. Don't talk to God about your mountain. Talk to your mountain about God. And implied in this, for you not to talk to Jesus and ask Him for healing, but for you to stand up and speak to your problem implies that God has already given you this power and authority and it's up to you to release it. The Bible told us to go heal the sick. It didn't tell us to pray for the sick. There's examples of praying for the sick. I'm not saying it's wrong. But the command is, you go heal the sick. Cleanse the lepers. Raise the dead. Cast out devils. For you to heal the sick means you have to believe you have been empowered and given the authority to use that power. And you go heal the sick. Don't ask Jesus to heal the sick. You heal them. Somebody says, oh, I'd never say that. It's obvious. In John cha- Acts chapter 3, Peter and John went up to the temple at the hour of prayer and they saw the man who was lame from his mother's womb. In the fourth chapter, we find out he had been lame for 38 years. And when they saw him, he was begging and they said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have. Give I unto thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And they grabbed the man by the hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he went with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. They said, such as I have. Did you know that that would get them kicked out of most spirit-filled faith churches? How dare you say that you had it? Well, it's not, it's not my power. It's God's power, but it's in me. You have been given the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 19 says, According to the working of His mighty power which He wrought in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and set Him at His own right hand in the heavenly places. The power that's on the inside of you is the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. You don't have to pray God's power down. And this gives rise to all of this foolishness in, in spiritual warfare where we've got to clear the skies over Dallas-Fort Worth so that your prayers can get up to God. And people will say, your prayers didn't get above the ceiling. You don't need your prayers to get above your nose. That's the reason you bow your head when you pray, so you can look at God. You say, Father, amen. He's right here. You've already got God living on the inside of you. You've got the supernatural power of God. And instead of saying, oh God, I'm powerless. Would you please heal me? You're denying. It's an insult to Jesus. You're denying that he has done it. He said, by my stripes, you were healed. 1 Peter 2, 24. It's already done. You are in denial of what's already happened. And you're coming to God Oh, God, we can do nothing without you. Oh, we're so powerless. God, would you please touch me? Would you stretch forth your mighty hand and heal me? All of those sound good, but you'll die praying that way. Jesus is telling us how he cursed this fig tree. He says, guys, believe in the power of your words. Believe in what you say and quit talking to God about it. Talk to your problem Take the authority that has been given you and you talk to your problem and you command your problem to respond. 
There's not one out of a thousand Christians that takes this approach. Instead, we go and tell God what the doctor has said as if God didn't know. And we spend 30 minutes confessing all of the negatives and saying this and say, Oh God, please heal me if it be your will for Jesus' sake. Amen. And then you wonder why nothing happens. It's quiet in here. I'm telling you, it's because we aren't taking our authority because we don't know that God has already done it. He's already put it on the inside of us. And now it's up to you to flip the switch. It's up to you to release the power of God. You're the one that determines whether you get healed, not God. You're the one that determines whether you operate in joy. I have people come to me all the time and say, would you please pray for me? I'm discouraged. I just need to know does God love me. Would you ask God to pour his love out in my life? No, I won't. That really bothers me. It's a good thing I'm not God. I just drop kick you right off the earth, amen. <laughs> he's already commended his love toward us in that Christ Jesus came and died for us and he's proven it. And it's, what does he have to do to prove it to you? Well, I don't have a goosebump. Well, just pull your thumb out of your mouth. You can't praise God with your thumb in your mouth. Pull your thumb out of your mouth. And just grow up and say, I don't care how I feel. The word of God proves to me that God loves me. And if you don't feel joy, encourage yourself in the Lord. David encouraged himself in the Lord and built himself up. Encourage yourself. Quit acting like I have no power. I can't help it. You can help it. The Lord would be unjust to tell you to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. It's another one of those things where he knew people wouldn't... Oh, I must have misunderstood him. So he says again, I say rejoice. Just so that nobody would miss this. He gave you a command to rejoice in the Lord always. David said, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. And on and on all of these promises go. If you don't feel like praising God, then your feelings are wrong. What part of wrong do you not understand? You are wrong. I don't care what's going on. Just rejoice. Go to praising God and act like somebody who believes the word of God. Stand up and take your authority and command things to come to pass. Now, I'm not talking about you commanding your own selfish desires, but the things that God has promised, God's power will never flow contrary to His will, to His Word. But when the Word makes it very clear that I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers, well, then you can know that it's God's will for you to be well. And instead of asking God to heal you like you have nothing to do with it, Take your authority and recognize He gave you power. Death and life are in the power of your tongue. And use those words to speak to your problem and command the sickness to leave. Command the pain to be gone. Command the botch, the mildew, the emrods, all the other things that we're redeemed from to be gone. Speak to them. Some people think, oh, this is weird. Speaking to things. Jesus spoke to a fig tree. And in verse 14, it says, he answered the fig tree and said. That means fig tree had been talking to him. Things will talk to you. Your checkbook will tell you that the word of God doesn't work. Piece of paper with scribbles on it from a doctor will tell you you weren't healed. Anything that talks to you, talk back to it. Talk to it. Say, checkbook, I don't care what you say. Here's what the Word of God says. Talk to it. 
Talk to things. Talk to your body. Speak to it. Things will obey you. Everything physical was created by words. Your body was created by words. It'll respond to words. Your brain is in communication with every cell in your body billions of times a day. If you'll start speaking the word of God, that word of God will fix those cells in your body and make things start working. You know, there was an instance in Charlotte, North Carolina. I go there with Pastor Dean every year, and this has been somewhere around 2001 or something like that. I was staying with some people at their home, and this lady watched a video that I had of Nikki Oshinsky, who was healed. And uh, she's from this area. Matter of fact, Nikki's given her testimony in this church. And uh, powerful, powerful testimony. And anyway, when I came home, this woman was sitting in this chair just crying and saying, man, that's the greatest video she had ever seen. She was just praising God. And she says, I've got a friend that has the exact same things that Nikki was healed of. Would you pray with her? And I said, sure. And she said, she's on her way. She'll be here in 10 minutes. And so anyway, this woman came in, and she is a long story, but she had all these things wrong with her. The doctor said on a scale of 1 to 10, her pain was a constant 11. And she was taking intravenous morphine stuff. She had magnets taped to her body and then a blanket with magnets sewed into it. And she wrapped herself in this, and somehow that electronic magnetic field helped her with her pain. And she was in terrible pain. She came in. And she started by saying, I know that God can do anything, but for whatever reason, he hasn't taken this sickness away from me. He's getting glory out of it. So I began to start countering that, and I just countered all of her unbelief and dealt with her for about 25 or 30 minutes. Finally got her to a place where I was ready to pray for her, and I commanded her pain to stop and spoke to it in the name of Jesus And uh, I said, how are you? And she stood up, moved around, and she was pain-free. First time in seven years that she had been pain-free, but the pain was instantly gone. And she says, but I still have a burning right here in my back at her waist. She says, why do I still have this burning? I said, you didn't tell me you had a burning. I didn't speak to burning. I spoke to pain. And I said, watch this. So I joined hands with her again, and I spoke and rebuked burning. I said, how is it? And she says, I'm healed. And so I spent about 20 minutes teaching her from this exact passage of Scripture. I told her how it worked. I said, Satan will come back and knock on the door. That doesn't mean that you've lost your healing or that you weren't healed. It's just the devil trying to get back in. And if you have another pain or another burning, it doesn't mean you weren't healed. It's Satan trying to steal from you. So what you do is just do the same thing I did. And I taught her how to speak. To it and take her authority and command the pain to leave. And so anyway, she received it. And as she was getting ready to leave, she put her hand on the doorknob. And when she touched that doorknob, she looked back at me and she says, the burning is back. And when she said that, I said, well, I've just been teaching you how to respond to this. And so I'm going to join hands with you, but you do the praying. And this is nearly word for word what this woman said. She said, Father, I thank you that it is not your will for me to be sick, that by your stripes I was healed. And if I was healed, I am healed. I receive my healing. I claim my healing in the name of Jesus Christ. I am healed. It's not a good prayer. Some of you, well, I thought that was wonderful. Well, it's wonderful things to say. They're okay to say those were all true things. And that's pretty good for a lady that had been a Presbyterian 45 minutes before. 
I'm not saying that they were wrong things to say, but it wasn't what the word of God told her to do. And so I said, how are you? And she says, I've still got the burning. And I said, do you know why? And she said, no. And I said, you didn't do what the word said. You didn't do what I've been teaching you. She says, what didn't I do? I said, you didn't talk to your problem. You didn't take your authority and speak to that burning and command it to leave. And she says, you mean I'm supposed to say burning in the name of Jesus? I said, yes. She says, I'll do it. So we joined hands again and she said, burning in the name of Jesus. And that's as far as she got. And she says, it's gone. (laughs) And she was healed. It was a classic example of this verse. And I tell you, this is what so many people are doing. Oh God, the doctor said this. Oh God, I've got this pain. Oh God, I've got this financial problems. And we've got all of these things. And we come to God as if he's done nothing. He could do anything, but he has done nothing. And God, we're powerless. We have no power to do anything. It's absolutely wrong. You're starting from unbelief. You're amplifying your problem, magnifying it, decreasing what God has given you. You need to come with the authority, knowing who you are, that Satan is a defeated foe. You are now the head and not the tail. You are the one in control. You're the one that Satan trembles at your presence because of God on the inside of you. And when you have a problem, instead of asking God to deal with it, believe. He's already put within you the power that it takes to deal with whatever problem you've got. Stand up, speak to the problem, command, and it will leave. I have had thousands of people hear me minister on this and come up and try. And they say, it works. It works. I started speaking to my headache. I started speaking to my back. I started speaking to a cold. I started speaking to my body and my body responds to me. They start speaking to problems. They start speaking to their checkbook. They start speaking to things. You know, we had a director of our Bible college that was teaching on this and one of our students. You know, I can't remember who this was. Was this Don Ford that went out and prophesied to his mailbox? Anybody remember who this was? Oh, it was Charlie King. But anyway, one of our students heard him say this. And so you know what he did? He went out to his mailbox and he was struggling financially. So he got down on his knees. He had his wife, Pam, watch to make sure that nobody snuck up and saw him talking to the mailbox. But they had one of these mailboxes, you know, there was a communal mailbox and there was many mailboxes there. And he went up and bent over and got to prophesy into his mailbox. And he says, I'm commanding money to come into this mailbox. And he got to prophesying and speaking. And did you know the next day he got a check for $10,000? Pretty good. Some of you think, oh, I don't believe that. Well, then it won't work for you. You don't always get an immediate response like that. But I tell you, there's power in your words and you need to start speaking faith-filled words instead of speaking all this doubt and unbelief. Every time you counter what you are believing for with your words, it brings confusion to your body. It brings confusion in the spiritual realm and in all kinds of things and things don't work. If you're going to start seeing the results that Jesus saw right here, he told you how to do it. Have faith in God. Believe, speak to your problem instead of speaking to God about it and believe that the words you say are coming to pass and don't doubt it in your heart and you'll have whatsoever you say. It's that simple. Man, that's powerful. I tell you what, brothers and sisters, I've given you enough right here today to keep you busy the rest of your life. 
This ought to keep you going for a long, long time. Praise the Lord. Isn't that good? How many of you recognize that, you know what, you've been talking to God about your problems instead of talking to your problems about God? Isn't that something? You know, that's a simple thing, but since I've been doing this, I see much greater response. And it really comes down to it's just a matter of faith. Instead of coming as if nothing has happened, start acting like God has given you the ability and start speaking and taking your authority and control. And when you do it, you get supernatural results. It'll make a huge difference in your life. Amen? Father, we thank you for the Word of God. Thank you for these truths. And I believe, Father, that you are taking these truths and helping people to understand how the kingdom works. And Father, we will start taking our authority and instead of begging you to do what you told us to do, that we would believe you've already done it. You've already empowered us. You've already placed this power on the inside of us. And that, Father, we would speak forth faith. Father, I believe we'll purify our hearts and get to where we don't listen to the lies and the unbelief of this world and let confusion enter into our hearts. But Father, we'll purify ourselves so that we believe every word we speak comes to pass. And Father, we believe in the power of our words, that we don't contradict our words. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I thank you for the Word of God. Thank you for the power of your Word. And Holy Spirit, we just welcome your ministry. We welcome you to come and to touch people's lives in here today. Thank you, Jesus. You know, I just want to lead you in a prayer. If you're one of those that you have been praying and asking God to do something for you, but you haven't taken the approach that we've talked about today, you've been approaching it as if you're powerless, I want you to step over into faith and believe that God has put the same power on the inside of you that raised Jesus from the dead. And He not only gave you the power, but He gave you the authority to use His power. And you release it by words. And if you recognize that you haven't been doing this and you're ready to do that, I just want you to stand right where you are. And I'm going to pray a prayer. And we're going to start speaking and releasing our faith and command things in our life to change. And I believe you're going to see difference. It might be like the fig tree that it takes 12 hours, 24 hours before it manifests. But the moment we speak and believe, the power is released. Amen. Father, I thank you for these that are standing, Father. And we just say, Father, we haven't been praying this way. We've been begging and asking you as if you haven't done anything. First of all, we repent, Father, for not believing the Word of God, not knowing the truth. Father, we repent of it. And we take our proper position in Christ. And we recognize that, Father, through Christ, we have already been made complete. That we have the same power on the inside of us that raised Jesus from the dead. And that it is absolutely wrong. It is is off limits. It's illegal for Satan to do the things to us that he's been doing. And so instead of asking you and begging you, we thank you, Father, that you have already given us this power. That you have already put within us the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. And now we use it. We release this power with our words. We curse everything that Satan is trying to use to kill, to steal, and to destroy. 
We curse you, Satan. We curse sickness. We curse poverty. We curse depression. We curse fear. We curse a sense of unworthiness and ungodliness, condemnation. We curse all of these things. Satan, we curse you and your works and say that you have no right. We command you to die now. We resist the devil and believe that Satan is fleeing from us right now and leaving us and leaving our situation. We are above only and not beneath, the head and not the tail. Father, we are the victor and not the victim. Father, we thank you that you have already blessed us and so we resist all of those things. Now we release the life of God with our words. We command the anointing of Jesus to flow through these bodies. We command life to come through our bodies. Supernatural anointing, healing power. I thank you that whatever Satan was affecting in our bodies, that we are being restored. Thank you that the anointing of God is is renewing our strength as the eagles. That, Father, we are seeing supernatural power and virtue flow through us and that you are healing all sickness and disease. That poverty is gone and blessing has come. Financial blessing is coming in our life. Thank you that the blessings of God are overtaking us. Father, we can't even outrun them. They are overtaking us. Thank you that everywhere we turn, we have favor. Thank you for the blessing of God on us. Whatever we set our hand unto is blessed. We speak blessing over us. Father, I believe that you help people in here today to be able to be discerning and to quit listening to and watching things that violate their heart, that violate their conscience, that make their words to where they're ineffective. Father, I pray that we would get to where we live godly lives and anything negative comes across our path that isn't according to the Word of God, that we would rise up and condemn it. We would judge it. We would refuse to let this unbelief allow in our, uh, to take root in our heart. Thank you, Jesus. We just thank you that miracles are taking place, that we have begun the process that your power is being released. And Father, we thank you and we expect supernatural results. Thank you, Father. We expect to see the fig tree dead in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. We hope that your heart has been quickened by hearing the Word of God through this message. Remember, Andrew Womack Ministries operates a helpline that you can call for prayer and information at 719-635-1111. We have a ministry website at www.awmi.net, and you can write the ministry at P.O. Box 3333, Colorado Springs, 80934. Until next time, we pray that you will reach out by faith and receive everything that is yours through God's grace.